as, uh, as we get ready, we're, we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 in just a few moments, and you can be in, begin turning there if you've got a Bible. Again, if you don't have one, uh, grab one. Um, before we get there, though, um, we, uh, I just want to read to you something quickly from James uh, chapter 1. Uh, it says, uh, if anyone thinks he's religious and doesn't bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. And, and a lot of times there's, there's uh, negative connotations to the word religion. And I don't, I don't think that Christianity is a religion. It's a, it's, it's a true faith. Religion is man's efforts. But, but we are supposed to have efforts. And so we are supposed to, to live it out and manifest it. And so it talks about what does that supposed to look like. Religion, so faith lived out that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And um, so the whole idea of what it means to care for widows and orphans has to do with those that are helpless, those that can't defend themselves, possibly can't protect themselves, uh, or certainly can't provide completely for themselves, that we're supposed to be on top of that. Uh, there's some very practical ways that, that we do that as a church and have been and will continue. But um, leapfrogging this into an event we have coming forward, um, this speaks into how we're supposed to have an understanding and have our eyes open to what's going on around us in this world all the way to this nation, to the state, region, city, um, in the areas of, of injustice. And uh, uh, we have this event Saturday. Uh, the 28th of this month, that you guys need to make sure that you're here, uh, called Justice and Worship, uh, where we are going to be worshiping the Lord and seeking Him in, in prayer, uh, but we're going to have a, a lady by the name of Lynn Caffery that's going to be speaking uh, about, um, she has a, a past, she has a history in prostitution to where she was in, she was being trafficked as a human, and uh, we're going to be um, bringing some more information to the table of what does human trafficking look like in our world even in our own nation and uh, around our own city. And what should our response be? Make sure that you're here. We're going to pack this place out. I know there's already about 70 people that have uh, committed that they're going to be here. It is an, it is an adult uh, venue. I mean, this is not something you want to bring your, your kids to because, I mean, there's going to be really tough things that we're going to be talking about and talking through. Um, but, uh, but we're going to set it up to where we have some chairs and also areas for people to stand there will be some art that, that folks are selling uh, that will go directly to uh, Lynn Caffrey's um, uh, organization here in town and other opportunities for you to find out other things nationally and internationally that you can plug into uh, to be a part of not only awareness, uh, but being a part of, of the solution. And so we need to ask God, Lord, how do we care for actual widows and orphans and how do we care for those that are relevant widows and orphans that are around us or around the world, those that can't take care of themselves, those that can't protect themselves, so we can be a part of that, all right? Let's pray, and we're going to jump into Ecclesiastes 10. God, I pray that you, uh, you come and that you use this part of our worship service um, as just as much worship as any other part, God. Um, Lord, I worship you by proclaiming your word. We worship you by receiving your word, God. As we read the word, we pray, God, that the word would read us, that we'd be open to the mirror that you bring to our lives of of our thoughts, our affections, our actions, God. Now, again, as Christians, uh, we thank you that the mirror 
is Jesus. We, we, we were able to look in the mirror and it's righteousness from your point. But, God, we need our hearts changed. We need our minds changed. We need our, our thoughts and our words and our actions to change, Lord. And so we invite you to come and do a, a change in us today. T- take just a moment and you and God just say, Lord, come change me. We engage you, Holy Spirit. We engage the Word of God right now. And we expect you to do works that take people towards salvation and take people further in their salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let's read uh, the section first of all. Um, Ecclesiastes 10, verses 8 through 20. He who digs a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. He who quarries stones is hurt by them, and he who splits logs is endangered by them. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. If the serpent bites before it's charmed, there's no advantage to the charmer. The words of a wise man's mouth wins him favor, but the the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is madness, evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happier you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time for strength, not for drunkenness. Through sloth the roof sinks in, and through indolence the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature tell this matter. All right, so in the, in the middle of this series uh, called Chasing the Wind, where we've been studying through Ecclesiastes, and we're coming to the end uh, rapidly, uh, we're in kind of a, a, a subsection, a uh, sub-series for three weeks uh, called Lessons from the Professor, and this is part two, uh, where there's uh, a, lot of, um, a lot of proverbs that he pieces together. Last week, this week, and then to next week as we look at uh, chapter 11, um, uh, just a lot of different nuggets of wisdom that talk about how to live, how to live life. And, and this first little part talks about both productivity and foolishness in leadership. And that's kind of a, a running theme in this section uh, that we look at today about what is real wisdom and what's it mean to be a, a, a good and godly leader versus what's it mean to be a foolish leader. So there's, there's some of y'all that you're, you're leaders, you're a leader, you're leader in your home um, or you're a leader in your, your organization that you're in, your company, um, or some of you, you're, you're training, you're studying, you aspire to lead, to, to start an organization, start a company, uh, or, or you're, you're, you're not married yet, so you, you're looking forward to the day when you don't just lead yourself but you lead a, lead a family. We'll take some notes as we go through this. Um, verses 8 through 11 uh, give an idea of what life and economy was like thousands of years ago uh, when this was written. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to me that it's not all that different. Um, technology was different back then, uh, radically different. But the things 
that they pursued and the mistakes they made. Very similar to you and me. Verse 8, he who digs in a pit will fall into it, and a serpent will bite him who breaks through a wall. Um, being snake bit, let's t- hit that section first, first and foremost. Um, the wall, we're probably not talking about a wall that was in, in a house, uh, but they were probably talked about the walls that lined fields along, along roads. And uh, so they were, they were barriers, they were things that, that, put, that said this is what a city is, and there, if, you, if you started tearing down a wall, there was just natural danger that there might be a snake that's, that's around there and, and uh, uh, that you'd get snake bit. Um, I, I, re- I remember when I was a kid hearing stories from my grandfather. He was born in England, but quickly his father, who oversaw um, the, uh, the building of roads uh, right around... 1900 um, in the British Empire in India. They moved to India. And so my grandfather would tell me stories of them living in the jungle and them building roads and building walls by, by roads and in cities and, and, uh, and about how there was cobras everywhere. And you would hear about people that uh, would get snake bit. And we're even going to hear about snakes uh, a little bit, little bit further uh, in this teaching. One of my favorite stories is, is he talked about how he would be going down a path, maybe going to his, his school through, through the jungle and, and uh, said that, that he would, he'd, he'd, he'd get to where he'd skip two steps or skip three steps and get longer and longer like that. And he was, he leapt in the air and he was just about, just about to land and uh, there was a cobra that was stretched across. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't getting ready to strike, but he was about to land on this dude. And he flew about five more steps. You know, when you see a snake, uh, there, you do all kinds of crazy things. Uh, I know we've seen them out at the lake uh, a lot. And um, if they're poisonous, you, you try to kill them. Well, it's just some of the dangers uh, that if you are, are pressing forward in, in productivity, if you have goals and objectives, that there's dangers just like snakes. Um, they, uh, there's dangers in pressing forward. Um, laziness risks nothing. It risks nothing, but, but being a, a driven person, it risks much. Um, I think it, uh, I mean, when we look at, at digging a pit, uh, digging, digging a hole, uh, obviously there's, there's the chance that you may slip and fall into it, just a danger. But I think this section also speaks uh, can, and can speak to the motives of our heart because there's several scriptures that talk about not only digging a pit for the purpose of productivity, but digging a pit for the harm of somebody else. Um, Jim Winter, one of the guys that, that I've uh, used in, during the series in his book, Opening Up Ecclesiastes, he, I mean, he mentioned in this section about Frankenstein's monster and how in, in, his, in his zest, to his, excuse me, his zeal to press forward and to, and to create something uh, that would give him great acclaim, that he would create life, he created the very monster that would turn back on him and, and to kill him. Um, in the book of, of Esther, the story uh, of, of Haman, especially check it out uh, later in, in chapter 7, uh, Haman, he, he, hated, he hated Mordecai, uh, and he built this, this gallows, and he, he had this plan to, to, to trick uh, and to make sure that Mordecai would be the one who was killed and hung on on the gallows, and yet, in a, in a tremendous work of God's justice, Haman himself ended up being hung on the very gallows that he created to kill Mordecai. Guys, listen to me. 
There's times in which you're going to be tempted to put your time and energy into the destruction of someone else. Don't do it. That's a pit that you will most likely fall into. It's like when, we, I mean, when you hate, when, you, when you're bitter, uh, when you don't forgive people, it's like, it's like building a gallows. It's just like, man, someday, someday I'm gonna, we, can get their, we can get their neck into this noose. And I'm just telling you that there's going to be some portion of that that you're going to be hung on the, same, on the same gallows. So we need to be a people that forgive. And we need to be a people that we trust God for justice uh, if, when justice doesn't take place around us. Verse 9, some other practical things. He who quarries stones is hurt by them. He who splits logs is endangered by them. Um, uh, just a little tidbit. Uh, the, the, stone, the stone quarrying, most of the homes that were built during this time uh, were built from large, large rocks. And so, um, obviously, man, if you're, if you're digging, digging things up, pulling them out, and in the, in, in the transport of them, there were a lot of people that ended up getting crushed because of the work that they did. Not that they did anything wrong. The majority of this section in this story is not about evil intent, although there's application. It's just saying that if you're a part of productivity, there's danger and there's risk, and you will be hurt. It's going to happen. And you're, it appears that we're safe when we don't risk. Um, one of my uncles, uh, I've got 11 uh, just on mom's side. Uh, one of my uncles owns a, a timbering business. My Uncle Danny, very godly man, uh, and uh, one time that, that he was out um, uh, sawing, sawing down a tree, and, and uh, one of, it, was, it was either a, a limb or there was another tree that had fallen into it, and things fell the wrong way, and he got hit in the head, um, caused some s- serious uh, swelling of the head and the brain. Um, uh, he was in the hospital for a while, had to have brain surgery, miraculously, miraculously. And thank, thankful to some great doctors, um, he is, he's doing well. But again, there's risks in life. And, and we, think, we think that we're safe when we don't take a risk. And you're safe in one sense, but you're dead in another sense. So I, I implore you, don't, don't be lazy in life. Don't check out and just sit on, on the sidelines. Mediocrity does not make your heart full. Verse 10. If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength, but wisdom helps one to succeed. There's, there's old stories uh, of uh, lumberjacks in, in the old days. Um, you know, obviously, they, they used axes in, in the old days. Um, and the uh, story, you, you hear it told different ways of, of a new uh, young greenhorn, this new lumberjack that comes, and he's like, man, I can outwork all of these old guys, you know, and uh, you can just see that, that he is, he's just, he's chopping faster, he's got more energy, and he looked over, and he, he saw how the old guys, they took a break every hour, for about 10 minutes, they took an hour, and he's like, I'm not taking a break, I'm not taking a break, so he took a lunch break, got right back into it, at the end of the day, man, he's like, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna have cut down twice as much as these old guys, and it turned out, he cut half as much as the old guys. Why? What were the, what were the guys doing uh, in that 10-minute breaks every hour? Sharpening their axe. Sharpening their axe. He didn't take time 
to sharpen his axe. And that is a sign of immaturity. That, that you may work, and you may work very, very hard, but you don't, you don't work smart. And, and I've, I've heard, I've heard uh, people say over the years, you know, uh, first of all, growing up, I was just heard, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And you can see, I mean, there, there's a lot of people, man, they work hard, they, they make a lot of efforts, but there's, there's a lack of productivity. There's a lack of effectiveness and efficiency. And so it's like, okay, is hard work the answer? And it's like, well, no, hard work by itself is not, not the answer. And then there's others who, would, who say, don't work hard, work smart. And say, make sure that you're, you're taking, taking the time uh, to, to understand what you're, uh, not only the objectives are, but what, it, what is it that's, that's keeping you, you know, what are the obstacles that are in your way to go forward, and, and what are the obstacles in yourself, and, and make sure that you take time and you, you, re, you analyze, you retool, you resource yourself to make sure that you're, you're working smart so that you have greater effectiveness and greater efficiency. But here's what I want to do, is I want to kind of reject both of those, of just working hard, or no, work smart, not work working hard, and to say what God's in His economy is, you work smart and hard. You, you figure out the best ways of effectiveness and efficiency and, and whatever, wherever you are, and, 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 being, and being a mom and, and taking care of, of a home, you know, and, and the organization that you oversee, the team that you're on, to make sure that you step back, that you have, have time to where you're not just in the middle of the work, but you take a step back to be able to, to look and to see what the work looks like, that you're not just always in the game, but you pull, pull out a bit to be able to analyze what's going on and then you make adjustments as possible. That's what a good, what a smart leader is going to do. So you've got the smartness, but then, then work hard. Work very hard. Invest, invest in what it takes to, to sharpen your own, your, own, uh, your own axe. Socrates said, employ your time in improving yourself by other men's writings so that you will gain easily what others have labored hard for. And basically what that means is, is that you learn from others, you learn from others' successes, but you also learn from others' mistakes as well. It's a very uh, foolish man that doesn't learn, learn from their own mistakes. It's a very wise man that not only learns from their own mistakes, but learns from the others' mistakes as well. Stephen Covey um, popularized the, the term uh, sharpening your axe um, a while back. And he said uh, it means to increase your personal production capacity by daily self-care and self-maintenance. Now, honestly, the stuff with Socrates and, and uh, Stephen Covey, you can go in and you can just learn, you can learn good, good practice, best practices in whatever you're in. You can do all that without being a Christian. You, you, can, you can be good at business or effective and, and efficient, and, but you can still totally miss the boat um, in it. Uh, I mean, another, another element just from the secular, uh, the secular world, from the marketplace, is uh, a Japanese term called kaizen. And uh, some of you all, maybe you're in an organization that, man, they, they, they teach the, the philosophy of kaizen. And it's basic, it's, the, the concept is that every day you grow. Every day that you make strategic steps to analyze, adjust, and to press, to press forward, to press forward better. Um, um, Abe Lincoln, he said, give me six hours to chop down a tree, and I'll spend the first four sharpening the axe. Right? So again, all, we got a bunch of good stuff from some 
folks that you, you don't even have to be a Christian to take these things to get better, although there's wisdom. There's wisdom in that. Wherever you are, whatever your field is, whatever it is that, that takes up your 40-plus hours a week, is that you would say, all right, I, I want to be strategic every day, and I want to I grow, I want to learn more in these things. But it's more than just about that. There is, there is the spiritual side of this. Um, it's understanding that, well, it's understanding that, as they say, the most dangerous knife in the drawer is not the sharpest, it's actually the dullest. The most dangerous. And sometimes you're the most dangerous knife in the drawer. Sometimes I am. Because we're dull. And, and, and what, is, what, it, what has happened when we've gotten there? I mean, to where we're actually, we're, we're dangerous. We're dull. A lot of times it's when, when you get bored with what you're doing, with what your task is, with what your responsibility is. It's like, ah, I just, you've lost the passion. Maybe you've lost the why. Why it's important that you do what you do. That's very common even within being a church. You know, to know it's like, oh man, you know, it's, it's kind of the same rhythm and we just kind of do the same things to, together. And, and you, you forget. You forget. It's like, man, every, there's no small task. It's all towards the kingdom. and It all has an impact upon relationships. It's vital that you say, well, okay, why? Why am I doing what I'm, what I'm doing? But, but not just that when you're bored or you've forgotten the why, but many times you're just you're distracted. Uh, you're, you're so, or you're so busy. You're so busy that it's like, I don't have time to take those 10-minute breaks to sharpen my axe. That is when you are you're just on a huge slippery slope, and we've all been there. It's just like, I just don't have time to stop and analyze. We don't have time not to stop and analyze how our soul is. You don't have time not to stop and to talk if you're married with your spouse to be able to say, hey, babe, how are we really? You don't have time not to do that. You don't have time not to ask those in, you're in community with in, in, in the church and as Christians to be able to say, hey, will you, will you kind of speak into my life? And I, I know I need, some, I need some encouragement, so encourage me, but let me know, where, where do you see dangers in my life? Where do you see that I, maybe I'm, I'm not off the rails, but where I'm, I'm just, I'm not hitting on all cylinders, speaking to my life. You don't have time not to engage in community like that. Man, I just ask you, who is it that you're around? Because those that, that you're around are either, they're either sharpening you or they're dulling you. And, and honestly, are you dulling others that are around you? Well, if you are, today can be the day to stop. Today be the day to say, all right, God, no more. I don't want to be one that distracts others or brings others into boredom in their life. I want to add value. So God, God help, help me. And, and, uh, and I believe this. I believe that what will bring the, sh- the greatest sharpness in you and in me is the presence of God and is seeking God. Isaiah 40, 29 to 31. Uh, you're familiar with it, but, but look at it from a di- little bit of a different angle. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. So, all right, that's, there's just time. We get dull. 
We get dull. What do you do in those times? Yes, and, and do, be, be Kaizen and just, I mean, analyze your, your, your responsibilities, your roles, your team. Analyze all these things. But the, and, and, and yes, jump into community and, and ask people to speak into your life. But the most important thing is to go to Jesus. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. And you go and you, you dwell with Him. And you spend time and just say, God, speak to me. And, and we, we say this a lot, and it's so basic, but it's so profound. But the greatest way for God to speak to you is, is through the Word of God. It's the voice of Jesus. And, and some, some, of you, some of you need to understand that prayer is not God speaking to you. Prayer is not the two-way communication. Prayer, prayer is one way. Prayer is, is you seeking the Lord. Now what He does from there is, is He speaks to you. and he, he, The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. Sometimes outside of Scripture, He just, just, just tells you. He just reveals things to you. But most of the time it's going to be that, that through reading the Word of God, He's going to speak directly into your, into your heart. But you've got to wait on it. You've got to spend time with Him for this to happen. Verse 11, if the serpent bites before it's charmed, there's no advantage to the charmer. Um, basically, the concept is if, if a snake has not yet been charmed and then it bites the owner, there's no profit in that. And this is, again, just very practical. Um, getting back to you have a vision. You have objectives. Your family does. You do. Your team does your organization? Uh, you're, you've got sales goals. You, you've got uh, you got to make sure that you. I mean, you've got this uh, midterm coming up or this project at the end of the semester, and you got to make sure that you get there and you do it in a way to where you don't just cram it all in at the last minute, like I always did. Uh, uh, that to just to know that man, if if you if you don't approach it correctly, it's not going to work you launch before it's time. Uh, if some of you, you've got, you've got a great idea, you've got a great team, you've got great resources, but you've got bad timing, just like that snake charmer. He's got everything. He's got everything that he needs to, to uh, put on a show and to be able to make, to make money. But if he has not, he's not done what's necessary to get, to get ready, he hasn't readied the snake, it's not, it's not ready for prime time, so to speak. If You may have an awesome dream. You may have the passion in your heart and you've got people, people around you. But if you launch too early, if you, if, you jump, if you jump out too fast, then it can be a fail. So we just ask God to give us, give us wisdom to know. All right, God, what... What is it that I need to do? What is it to make sure that I've, I've looked at everything and also moving forward in the right timing? Look at verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. The beginnings of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talk is evil madness. A fool multiplies words, though no man knows what is to be, and who can tell him what will be after him? You know, um, this is a section that talks about the importance of words and being wise versus being, being foolish. And, and just basically, um, when a wise man speaks, the effect is positive. When a fool 
speaks, it leads to destruction. I mean, bad stuff happens. Um, full speech is, is usually self-gratifying. It has some, something to do with them building themselves up, their ego, their fame. Um, it's usually ungracious. And it will often hurt others, but in the end, it actually brings a greater hurt to themselves. Um, the, the picture in verse 12 is, is, uh, is the lips of the fool consume him. You know, that, that the way that the wise, you know, their, their lips and the, the things that they say, it not only builds themselves up, but it builds others up that are around them. And so life is given out through the lips, through the words of wise people. And in such a contrast, the, the picture is being made here that when a fool speaks, it's like he act, those lips themselves are actually going to eat him up. I, I remember uh, a poem I used to read to my kids uh, by Shel Silverstein called Hungry Mungry. I don't know, anybody got any, any familiar with that? Just look, look it up on the internet later on. It's, it's hilarious. Yeah, Blake knows it. Um, and, and it's just this silly little story about someone, this kid that was so hungry that he ate everything in the house and ended up eating, uh, eating the, the house and eating the city and, and ate everything around him and to, to where he ate the world and ate the stars and, and ate the whole universe and then he was still hungry and he eventually started eating himself to where there at the very end there's nothing left except for just this, this clacking teeth, you know. And, and that's, that's kind of the way a fool is, is that there's just a consumption that takes place in their life to where, and that you can't fill it, can't fill it up, and, and that brings destruction even upon, upon themselves. Fools multiply words. Psalm, uh, excuse me, Proverbs ten, nineteen says, "When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudence." When words are many. Transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudence. Um, gosh, I mean, it's so, it, uh, it's so cliche, but so true, that God gave you, gave you one mouth and what? Two ears. So we need to be a people that, that listen twice as much as we speak. Um, I'm, in, I'm in leadership meetings all the time, and uh, with, with, whether it be a business leader or whether it be uh, Christian leaders, and, and certainly, man, you can tell when the wise people, and they speak, and they've got the floor, but, but a lot of times you're in a round table with people, and some people, they'll just yammer. They just keep going and going, and you're just kind of like, okay, all right. Okay, got it, got it. Let's, let's, let's move on. I want to hear from him. And you know, you know those people, if they speak, and, and I mean, it's gold. You just... You, you desire to hear. It's like you, you pay attention. It's like you may zone out. There's a few people in your life, when they speak, you just start thinking through, what do we got to get? And fill up the refrigerator and all that. And it's kind of like you're, you're not, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And it's, it's you're, you're somewhere else because they're just a fool. And it's just, it's emptiness that's there. But then those people that are in your life, that man, when they speak, when they, when they write, you, write you a note, when you get an email from them or, or a, a text message from them, just builds you up. Because you know, because they're wise. They're godly people. Help God help us 
Help us to be uh, wise people. Verse 15 says, The toil of a fool wearies him, for he does not know the way to the city. Doesn't know the way to the city. Uh, um, you know, in English, we, we talk about people that just, they're, they're fools because they not only do they not know how to get, how to get someplace, but they won't stop to ask directions. Yeah, absolutely. It's usually men that are uh, that, uh, that way. Um, but what, what it was is, is uh, this was someone that, like in, in, Egypt, in Egyptian in those days, someone who says they don't know how to reach the city basically meant someone who could not attain their goal, someone who could not succeed. That's what it was saying. It's like they may be busy, they're, they're, they're in the middle of doing things, but man, they don't know the way to the city. <laughs> That's basically saying they, they, they can't get it done. They just can't make it happen. That they, they just do busy work or they're, they're just foolish. They will never, ever make it until something changes in their, in their life. I mean, is, that, is it you? Is that me? What needs to change in us? Maybe, maybe you haven't reached the city because... You're not sharpening the axe. Verse 16 and 17. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of the nobility and your princes feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. We get this contrast between a, a, a couple of leaders one that's immature and very self-focused and one who's mature and has great counsel and therefore wisdom. Uh, talks about this uh, king who is a, a child making immature and bad uh, decisions um, uh, and, and how the, the focus always comes back to them and so they're not looking out for the best of, for the kingdom but only the best for what, what the crown is. Now, in contrast, it talks about people of uh, the sons, a son of nobility. Uh, other versions would say of noble birth. The, the Hebrew really says that it's son of free men. Sons of, of free men. And here's the thing. Knowing who your father is is either going to strip you of your confidence or it's going to give you tremendous courage. And so, those who, those who have fathers or leaders in their life that are selfish self-absorbed and have small kingdom type goals. If that's your father and that's your leader, we have a tendency to just try to be like that ourselves. But being a son of nobility, it points to who is your real dad? Who are you really? What is your real name? What's your real heritage? And, and what, what your dad wants to do. And so to understand, I mean, that's, that's the truth for us as Christians is to say, man, it doesn't matter how great or how horrible your dad or your mom was. And I know there's some tough stories among our church and among people you know of, of, uh, of abuse and I mean, just really crappy things that, that took place in people's, people's lives growing up. And then for some, it's just kind of like, like, it was just mediocrity, you know? It wasn't really bad, there wasn't really good, but it was just kind of blasé and just survival mode. And, and so nothing really... To, to live for, no real meaning in life. But when you understand that your, your dad is the king, the king of all kings, the king of creation, the one that, that loves this world and is brokenness so much that 
He put himself and injected himself into it, and the one that's not going to leave it broken, but someday is going to finish it up, and he just says, here, wear my ring. This states that you're my son, that you're my daughter, and now go out in my authority. That's what a good prince or a good princess is. They realize it's not even their kingdom, it's their dad's kingdom. And they know they don't have to prove anything more for the love of their dad, the king, because that dad, the king, already loves them so much. In fact, it's, it's even a stranger story than that because you know what it is? is we, we weren't born into nobility. We were born into prostitution, into muck, and, and just mediocrity. And the king came and said, I'm not leaving you there. I'm adopting you into my family. You take my name now. You take my mission. And I will finish it, even though you'll be imperfect in it. Now, these next couple of verses really continue on the thought, because verse 19 can be brought out of, uh, pulled out of context um, in its understanding, but it's really still talking about what it means to be a leader, good or bad. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. So, so again, imagine, imagine a, a prince, a, an immature or a young prince with authority, what it, what, how they go about doing things if they're immature and they, do, they don't have uh, the, the kingdom's best interest in hand, at hand. Um, talk about being a, a sloth. Um, being lazy, having wrong priorities. Or, sometimes as a leader, I mean, it's, I mean the, the roof's leaking or things are going on and, and it's not that you're, you may not even be, all, be, be lazy, but it may just be a denial that, that you know what, I, 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 I just can't put myself out there again to try to fix this because if I do, it shows that I've failed. It shows that we're not doing as well as we think that we are. And so it takes a courageous leader to be able to say, the house is leaking. It takes a courageous leader to to be able to analyze, come back, drop back, and to be able to say, all right, we need to analyze, we need to retool, we need to resource. And that happens in a church just as well as any kind of an organization, even your family, to where you look and you look at the seasons and where things are healthy and when things are not as healthy, to be able to look back and say, all right, let's be very honest and and, uh, be able to... To, to press forward. Um, it's an example in my own life um, of, of what, a, what a great leader that, that I am. And there is uh, um, my, uh, my mom and dad last, uh, uh, for, for my birthday, they gave me, gave me a door uh, to the house because my door was, uh, it, just, it needed to be replaced. Uh, and uh, so the, the personnel door, so they got it for me. We, we did all the work to, uh, uh, put in the hinges and, and, and get, the, get the, uh, uh, the lock and the doorknob into it and line all that up. And Anybody ever done that before? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging task to try to align all those things. And uh, my, my, dad, uh, uh, my dad said, now make sure that you paint it uh, because if you don't paint it, it won't be sealed. And when it rains, at some point it will swell up and then it won't close properly. And I'm like, I'm like you're right. Okay, awesome, Dad. And we put, we actually put like on one side of it, we put uh, put some paint, and then moved on with life. All right. Um, anybody been around Huntsville in the last uh, week or two? You know, all this rain. My door does not want to shut. We don't even need to lock the door anymore 
because if it's unlocked, you can't open it unless you've been working out with weights for a while. And, and uh, it's just, it's a thing where just, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I knew, I knew what I needed to do, but just denial, laziness, wrong priorities, never got to it. Is this a moral problem? Did I sin? No, I didn't sin. But I was stupid. And that happens a lot in our lives where we're just foolish uh, and, and things happen. Uh, denial is just as much of a problem. Uh, in this, you know, it, it's telling the story of a, of a leader where the roof is leaking, the house is leaking, the roof is sinking in, the house is leaking, and yet in the middle of it, you know, they're eating, the, I mean, the bread made for laughter, I mean, they're, just, they're eating, they're, they're drinking, and just basically saying, you know, man, as long as I can, as long as I got my good food, the quality food, and, and I got all my money, that that's going to answer everything. It's not really saying here that, that, um, that, that bread and wine and, and that money is, is the answer to everything. Now, bread is fine. There's plenty of things that talk about a provision, that God's a blessing of that. And wine is fine, too. You know, God blesses that. And money is, is fine. It's a, it's a tool and a resource. But at, in the context of this whole story, when we go to those things and say, either by the celebration of those things I find my meaning, or my escapism in, from my problem into those things that I'm okay and I find my meaning, he says that's wrong. We can't find our, our meaning for, through celebration nor through denial and escapism. And if you're in either one of those categories in your life today, you need to tear them down and say, God, my priorities have been wrong, so Lord, I'm realigning to you. Or if you've just had your head in the sand, it's like, man, maybe, maybe if I just forget about it, somebody will come and paint my door, you know, or whatever it is. You, know, it's, you say, no, I'm not going to deny it anymore, but rather going to face it. Verse 20, even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in the bedroom, curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature will tell the matter. Um, There's practical implications in here that, I mean, if you you think it, you're going to feel it, you're going to say it, you're going to do it, Um, that if if you've got problems with, with somebody, it's going to leak out. If you've got problems against an authority, it's going to cause some big problems. And so you need to, you need to fear and respect the king. I mean, because even if it's, even if it's a, an unjust little twerp that's leading your city or your organization or your nation, there needs to be a level of respect that's there. And don't cut your own legs out from underneath you. Uh, through acting foolishly, even, even themselves. And so we're to, we're to fear the king, we're to respect the king and authorities. But prophetically, this is what really brings us even back, back to God. This is just a, a, a secondary type of an application to this, is, is to know that, you know what? God knows your thoughts. He knows where your heart is. Um. And if you're not in here, if, you're not, if you've never come to faith in Jesus Christ, this should scare the crap out of you <laughs> to know that God knows everything. Um, and if you go to your grave rejecting God, God will bring justice to you. The beautiful thing is God does know everything. And He loves you. And that's why Jesus came and died for you 2,000 years ago. He's already paid the price. And so if you have a reverence and a fear for the king, 
Surrender to the king. There's probably somebody here today. This day is a day God wants to do some serious surrender work. So just, just as we wrap everything up in conclusion, you guys, um, some of you need to sharpen your axe. You're either you're too busy or you're distracted or, again, maybe you're, you're celebrating too much, got the wrong priorities, or maybe you're escaping because you're, you're denying things. You need to spend some time in the Word and have the, Jesus speak to you. Some of you, practically, you need to pursue a mentor in the area that you're in. And that may be, that may be in, in the job that you're in, or that may be because you're a new dad, or a new mom, or, or newly married, or, or just in a relationship with somebody pursuing mentors to, to speak into your life. Some of you, you need a strategic growth plan for this year. You need something to, to say, all right, I, I, need, I need something that will be a part of, from the Lord driving me, and I need other people to know about it so that they light a fire under me as well. Some of you need to be careful with your words, the things that you say. You try to win approval or respect by talking, and the more you do, the more respect you lose. You need to listen more, and you need to trust God that he'll build your credibility over the years and be patient with that. Lord, uh, just pray, Father, that you would help us to, to connect with you, that we'd fear you, Lord, and that we'd know that, Lord, you, uh, you're the one.